0: Anyway, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Robert Cumberbatch, and I've been a member here at uh, Forestbrook for over 30 years, 30 wonderful years. It's the longest I've ever been at any church, and, and uh, I really appreciate it. Before I start, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will hear your voice today. I pray that your Holy Spirit will envelop and overshadow this place. I pray that you will be glorified, that we will see your glory. I pray that your son Jesus will be exalted. And I pray that we will leave this place being transformed by your love. Amen. Today is the final installment in a three-part series on John 17. Two Sundays ago Brian opened the series with a marvelous description of how Jesus in this prayer prays for God's glorification and Brian encouraged us to always be alert to revelations of this glory. Last Sunday Dan showed us how Jesus praying for the he shows us Jesus praying for the protection of his people his disciples as he sends us out into the world even as we are not to be conformed to the world he used a great illustration about a boat we're on the ocean but the ocean is not in the boat Today in this final section of our theme, Be Glorified, Jesus moves on to the last main thing on his mind as he faces the horror of Good Friday. Even as Jesus is praying, Jesus knows what is coming in the next few hours. He can already feel the spit in his face the crown of thorns pressed on his brow but he puts that all aside to pray for what his heart knows to be of supreme importance he has prayed already for God's glorification he has prayed for us in the world our sanctification and now He prays for us as we deal and interact with each other and as we interact with the world. And he prays this. John chapter 17 uh, from verse 20, if we can get that. Maybe we can pray together. Why don't we pray this together? that they may be one as we are one I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me father I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory in them notice Jesus is praying for us for the church for those who will believe in me for Forest Brook and for everyone in every church in every country and continent who believes in him and what he wants for us more than anything else, is what? Unity. He wants that they may be one and that they may be brought to complete unity. Unity is something we all understand. Few will argue against it being mostly a good thing. Unity allows us to leverage good things. So it's not surprising that Jesus prays for unity for his people. Unity is wonderful when it works. People unite to form nations, marriages, celebrate hockey victories, maybe. and we have lots of um, that Um, all over the world today churches everywhere are recognizing and celebrating Palm Sunday what a scene of jubilation as Jesus entered Jerusalem to the acclaim of the crowd a crowd united in the confident belief and hope that here was the messiah who was going to be their king. That was their take on it. And for that moment, they were united. Five decades ago, the world experienced a rare moment of unity. The entire world listened to radios or watched on television as man made his first landing on the moon. Wars were halted, work stopped, and for a brief moment, there was semblance of unity in the world. At the same time this was taking place, a beautiful young woman with a Shakespearean name was getting married to a young man with a name with not quite the same gravitas, uh, although it did start with the right letters, R-O for Romeo. there we are on our wedding day a great day for us if not a giant leap for mankind <laughs> the suit well i call it west indian chic three examples of unity and it is unity of the church that jesus has on mind Notice. He doesn't pray that we speak in tongues or have sound theology, that we do a lot of good works, that we have the right worship styles and do worship well. He doesn't pray that church leaders will find it easy to make the right decisions and everyone will agree with them. And it is not because those things are not important. But as we shall see, there are not sufficient grounds for unity. At least the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for. We have lots of examples of unions that don't last. A Palm Sunday crowd united in hosannas for a conquering Messiah. Not a bad thing. Transforms into a crowd... United in a way with him. When that Messiah is discovered carrying a cross. A world united in anticipation of a giant leap for mankind quickly returns to its old ways of wars and intrigues. Marriages often don't last families are broken and nations split apart and how about the church Jesus knows that while the church is not of the world it is in the world and it is so easy to absorb the world's way of thinking their measurements of success their values And when we do that, we are no longer what the church was meant to be. So, facing Good Friday, facing death, and knowing the threats facing the church, he prays that we will be united. And the basis, as we've seen, for that unity is not what we sometimes think, worship style, liturgy, Bible, theology, spiritual gifts, posture towards the outside world, all of these things have a place in the life of the church and there is no question that the Bible must always inform everything we say and do. The rub is that it is quite possible for two sincere Christians to have different approaches to their study of the word take the Pharisees were they sincere in their devotion to scripture at least in their minds I think so the problem was that they became so enamored of the biography that they lost sight of who it was about They walked around with the biography, the Bible, in their heads. And they were trying to teach Jesus about Jesus. And so finally Jesus says something like this to them. He says, you study and carry the scriptures about in your heads because you think it's about eternal life. But God's word does not really dwell in you. You have missed the whole point. The scriptures are about me. Derwin L. Gray in Do We Have Discipleship Wrong has this to say. Some people love the Bible more than they love Jesus. I love the bible the bible is the foundation of all I hope to ever say and do but it can never take the place of Jesus and that's the basis for true Christian unity Jesus that glorifies God Jesus Jesus is the exact representation of God loving us to death on the cross. That's the glue that will make for an unbreakable bond. How great is that love? We look at the cross. How great is that love? Here is what Jesus says in the passage. He says, when we are in complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Even as you have loved me. Did you hear that? God loves us the same way that he loves Jesus? How much does God love Jesus? Did Jesus really say that? Look, I'll admit it. It staggers my mind. But then I see the cross. And I know that God's love for me and for you is so big so vast so infinite that nothing can contain it it's a love uh, so great that we cannot must not help but return it the new testament says we love him because he first loved us. Can there be anything more powerful to bind us together in unity? When we focus on the cross, on the God who loves us to death in Jesus, then our unity is secure. Focus on anything else, and we are liable to disunity. And here is the thing unity was always God's intent from the very beginning it was in his intent from the garden and from eternity listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8 to 10 with all wisdom and understanding he that is God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. He purposed to bring everything into unity under Christ Colossians 1 19 and 21 for God was pleased we read it earlier we heard it earlier God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him Jesus and to reconcile and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It was always God's intention to bring us to unity in his love. When man rejected God in the garden, God did everything, every purpose, the Bible, everything indicated and everything was geared towards this one supreme moment in history when God through the sacrifice of his son Jesus would be crucified on the cross because he loves you and me. When we give Jesus the supremacy, we not only respond in love to God, we also respond in love one to another. When we see how God loves us and we embrace that love, we then are filled with the Spirit. And his spirit begins to work in us in a way that brings us to loving one another truly. His love is placed in us. Look at the ending of his prayer. That the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. But there is something else in this passage that we have not yet talked about our unity impacts the world when we are united the world takes notice verse 21 may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me verse 23 Then the world will know that you sent me, and we read it before, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Did you get that? Jesus is praying for what is most important to his heart as he faces the cross. And he is saying that the most effective and powerful way To impact the world is what? For his people to be united. In this unity, we convince the world that God sent Jesus. And more than that, that God loves them. Through our love for God and our love for each other, demonstrated in our unity, the world gets to know God's love. Tracks may contribute, television programs may have some impact, but what has the greatest impact is unity founded on God's love for us and mankind on the cross. Unity is always going to be a challenge. You know that and I know that. But if we keep our focus where it should be, on the cross, then with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will glorify God in unity. And then through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us to do the things that please God. And that's the issue we have with putting legalism first, law first. Because the effort fails. It's when we put Jesus first, when we look at his love and we have his love filling our hearts. That we begin to see people in the right way. And we begin to want to please God in everything that we say and do we begin to see each other with Jesus' eyes? So, what can we do uh, about this in practice? There's a lot of all kinds of things, and you will, and one of the things I hope uh, that will happen from this is that you will begin to think, maybe over the next week or so, how would, what are the things in me that can contribute to unity, and what are the things that do not? You know, Sometimes, the music can get loud. But I've come to learn that it is never too loud for Jesus. When a genuine heart of worship is involved, it glorifies God. I, uh, Juliet and I often visit, um, my daughter's church when we're not here in Mississauga and the music is loud I mean I'm not even sure how the young people can take it but it is loud and so I've taken to wearing earplugs and then the music is just right but God doesn't care I adjust sometimes when there is more traditional music perhaps in a service some of us can find it a little trying well we love Jesus because of the cross and Jesus loves traditional songs too now if you ever see me wearing earplugs in here please don't feel bad Right? <laughs> Sometimes I don't see eye to eye with you on some point of doctrine or theology. Happens, but that's okay. So long as we both together focus on Jesus, we can work everything out. So long as we focus on his love for us and cherish our unity in him and when that happens I put it down to Jesus challenging me to go even deeper in the word myself let's talk let's love each other and then I pray that God will God will reveal the real truth to the other brother or sister (laughs) Sorry. Um, actually no (laughs) I've learned that I have a lot to learn from those who are much newer in the, f- in the faith than I myself. I am always learning from wonderful people, wonderful young people, and we can all do it. But the best way to learn is to love them. There are, of course, other things that can threaten unity. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts or hold on to bitterness or judgmentalism, In other words, when we are taking our eyes off the cross, off of Jesus. This series is about glory. And Jesus says in verse 24, 24, I want those you have given me to see my glory. And earlier in verse 22 he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. We have got a glimpse of glory in this series. We have seen that glory is the outcome of Jesus suffering on the cross. God is glorified. And that's the one thing I want my life to be, a life that glorifies God. I want to take my eyes off of people. I want to put it in God. I want to glorify him. I don't do a very good job of it, I might admit, but God is working in me. I'm being transformed day by day. Some of us are having a hard time. And glory seems far away. There's pain, there is illness, there is loss, there are breakups, there's guilt. And some of us are getting really tired. I don't know what it is to be you and to go through what you're going through. And sometimes I can't believe the pain that people are going through. But Jesus knows. He wants you to know. He wants us all to know. That God loves us. As incredible as it seems. As he loved Jesus. Jesus Who took the road to Good Friday. He went through hell for us. There is a snippet of a song that I used to hear a lot when I was growing up and as I was thinking of Good Friday it uh, came to me and I share it with you as I think of Jesus on the cross. None of the ransomed ever knew How deep were the waters crossed. Or how dark was the night that the Lord passed through. ere he found the sheep that were lost. A God that loves us to death. Doesn't that do something inside of you when you hear that? God loving us to death. let us live in love. let us live in unity. let us focus on Jesus. Amen beautiful At this time uh, we'll be going shortly into communion but we have got the we have a pastoral prayer that uh, we'd like to do as we think of all of this together and again we can read that together if we can get it up please so let's read together please father you have shown us your love in Jesus by the work of your Holy Spirit you are one in beautiful unity Jesus we want to know you and to experience your presence among us we want to see you open the eyes of our hearts be glorified in us God help us love each other and to love you help us to reach out in love sacrifice and selflessness to others but help us to accept it when others reach out to us, that we could be one in deeper, truer unity than we ever known before. Show us where we need to change. Lord help us and show us the way. May the world see you as they love love at work in us in the way that we love one another. Lord, be glorified. Amen. We'll now move on into communion. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up and uh, the worship team can come up. And uh, Brian reminded us two weeks ago when he gave the message communion, common union. We are united together through Christ's death on the cross and Jesus says as you take this bread as you take this cup remember me so let's bow our heads and pray Heavenly Father we thank you so much for your death on the cross we cannot imagine what you went through for us we think of what you endured on Good Friday and we are so grateful for you to you for doing that may your name be glorified Lord and as we take this bread and as we partake of the cup bless it in Jesus name one day the Pharisees brought a woman taken in adultery to Jesus. They weren't there to learn from Jesus. They were there to trap Jesus with the Bible. The Bible, they said, commanded that such a woman should be stoned. Jesus, the one who the Bible is about, stooped on the ground and began to write. I always wonder what he was doing there, what he was doodling there. And I wonder if perhaps he was tracing out a cross. I wonder about things sometimes. they asked him again Jesus straightened up looked around he says anyone of you who is without sin cast the first stone then he stooped again and continued writing after a while he looked around and they were all gone Where are all your accusers? Has no one condemned you? Jesus asked her. No one. Neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. That's the Jesus I love. That's the Jesus who touches me. A Jesus who loves to death. He loved me. We sometimes use stones to hurt other people. Not deliberately, sometimes we think we're following the right path. And we can also use stones as barriers divide as barriers to one another. These can be based on pretty well anything. Lack of forgiveness, thinking we are right, insisting that others see things our way. And so I was thinking about that and I say, I don't know what stones am I holding and I'm going to put them at the cross of Jesus. I'm going to place them on the cross. We can also use stones to build shelters and homes. And in fact, Peter describes us as Christians, we are living stones, built up to build a spiritual house that houses Jesus as we go forth this week I want you to think about that I just want you to think about that let's pray father it's all about you we glorify you if there's anything in our lives that hinders Lord take it away and above all else let us Focus on Jesus. Amen.